from the Three Story Method Podcast Network. This is the Serial Fiction Show. I'm Christine Daigle. And I'm J.P. Reinbush. Welcome to the Writer's Serial Fiction Show. If you haven't listened to today's story, we'd encourage you to pause and go listen to Tirza M.M. Hawkins' episode on our companion podcast first. We can only play half the episode, so if you like what you hear, check out the first episode free on Kindle Vela. The links are in the show notes. So, JP, we are batch recording so today. Yes, we are. So we are. don't have any updates on personal progress, but we do have a question for our listeners. I'm curious. So our author this week uses her knowledge in natural medicines as a means to add into the story. I'm curious, what do you bring to the table outside of your author life? Uh, What knowledge or expertise do you have uh, that finds its way onto the page? Yeah. How about you, JP? What expertise do you have that finds its way onto the page? Nerdy science and ways to kill people. How did I know you were going to say that? <laughs> I'm. I really love. Um, I love the the negative aspects of plants uh, and finding out like, oh, potatoes can kill you, um, just because I find it funny and fascinating. Um, I really love Wicked Plants by uh, Amy Stewart. Uh, that's one of my favorites. Um, but yeah, I really like nerdy science or plants. Mm-hmm. How about you? Brains, all the brains. I love brains. You know, that's very yeah. cool. So that's what I like to do weird stuff with um, pushing human anatomy in terms of brain structure and function. So yeah, I do weird stuff with that. <laughs> you want to hear a really fun story? Of course. Of course. Of course. So in in college, we had to uh, create the ultimate person for a specific task in our human anatomy course, which meant that like, if we had the ability, like godlike ability to alter people, how would we create them for the perfect task or whatever? And mine was like, create the perfect firefighter and i was like ooh perfect highly keratinized skin as a shell and like <laughs> all these ridiculous things and i just it was like one of my first times no um meshing together my nerdy science with like storytelling and coming up with like what this mutant human would look like who could survive fires oh i love that my favorite to mess with is tms which is transcranial magnetic stimulation which is just basically a huge Tesla coil that they've focused to mm-hmm. shoot into your brain. And I'm like, if mm-hmm. I shoot you with a magnet in this area, what can I make you do? I wrote a whole book based on that promise. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's amazing. That's my favorite. I love it. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously our, our outside lives creep their way into writing. So mm-hmm. I'm curious what, what, uh, what happens to you, fellow listener? Tell yeah. us all What do you put secrets. in there? Computers, cooking, gardening, crafting jumping out of airplanes i want to hear it all secret murder plots because no i don't want to hear that no i don't want any responsibility for that (laughs) okay don't tell us no don't tell us your murder plots hey christine hey jp let's talk about pro writigade are you ready i am ready okay cool so there is this thing 
Uh, it's one of like the more common things of improving style and strength with your writing. And I find this to be like the most useful because when I am both first drafting and even like after the second or third, like sometimes I'm not as, I'm not going to say confident in my writing, but I'm a blabbermouth. I blabber a lot. Uh, and so I will say things like someone managed to do something or like I will add in these like weird little filler things when yeah. really let's say, you know, it's managed to complete. It just needs to be completed. Yeah. Um, and it's really nice having an AI tool point this out and being like, hey, JP, maybe you could not do what you're doing. And I would be like, you are right. That would be a great idea. Um, and so I love this AI tool. It's fantastic. It's pointed it out so many times that at this point, um, I like will think that in my head. I'll be like, they managed to do something or like they're going to do something. And I'm like, no, they're doing it right now. So just stop with the whole like preamble and let's just get that one word that we really want to write down. Yeah. Um, so it's been improving my writing and I enjoy that. Yeah, I it, I use the same um, filter. It you know it's it's become into like intuitive now. I guess I catch it myself, and mm -hmm. I've got to began to or started to, or even or all those words that you don't need. And I'm like, yeah, and it makes your writing so much stronger when you're not trying to help it with all these little <laughs> filler words. So yeah, I totally recommend that that tool that report. It's phenomenal. Yeah. It's it's strange going through it uh, and correcting it and then reading it and like seeing the confidence that you had in your head, but you didn't have when you were writing it. Um, and it's almost like uh, removing those pieces make it stronger in the text. And it's not your voice, really. It doesn't really alter your voice. It doesn't change it too much. Um, it, it's clearing it up and making it more concise, uh, yep. which I enjoy. Exactly. So Be straightforward with your writing. Mm-hmm. Do that. Uh, and if you need the help, why don't you check out ProWritingAid.com, uh, Serial20, S-E-R-I-A-L-20, to get 20% off. Do it. So, JP, let's talk about LaterPress. So LaterPress is a platform built to help authors uh, declare their independence. It lets authors create digital books and sell them directly to their readers through their own branded website. And there are new things uh, coming to the platform every day in terms of discoverability and new features. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. So I actually, I put nerds on LaterPress and it was a really easy and really fast uh, process, which was pretty cool. And one of the cool things was you can put a collection and then you can put your uh, like we put nerds in the collection uh, so that ideally if we do any spinoffs or if we do any like season two or like specifying those pieces, you can put those books in the collection, which yeah. is really nice. And it's a really nice way of like hierarchical, hierarchical uh, pieces to it, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it basically gives you your own website. Ours is nrds.laterpress.com. And you just direct your readers straight there and they see nerds. It, it doesn't get blocked by anything else. There are no ads in the way. There are no, like nothing. It's just straight up nerds content for your readers to get straight to reading, uh, which is uh, different than some other platforms, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And I did the same thing, um, although I uploaded... Uh, all of my books to a collection just so I had one place, you know, to, to direct mm -hmm. readers. And so I have Molecule Thief, Dark is Away, and the Steampunk Emerald Key is up there. So it's one link. People can see all your books and you can order them whatever way you want. 
uh, you know, or your yeah. cereals. You can put cereals up as well. And uh, yeah, and you can do it on a subscription model or pay per book. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, which was a, a really cool. Yeah, yeah, the pricing thing was pretty cool. Figuring out uh, either doing per book or some type of a subscription model, uh, just to kind of give your readers different abilities to uh, support you. Because some people really like the, you know, it's basically like a Patreon, but yep. you just get content to read. Yep, and the cut is just five percent. Yeah, okay. so test it out. Try it out. Yep, laterpress.com. See you later, press. All right, so you start off episode one with the quote, prepare for landing, bitches. Um, and it's ultimately because they can't refuel the plane. I'm curious, how do you approach writing uh, hooks in for your scenes in your episodes? You know, it's it's weird because when I write, I feel as if I am watching a movie that I'm not even making it up. I'm watching a movie and I might contribute some intention to it. I want this one to be scary and grab the readers and hook them. Um, but my job is just to convey to you what I am seeing. It's not as if I am writing it myself. So like each scene, I have like different links. One of my shortest ones is probably 1100 word episode. And I have a really long one that's like 4,000 words. And it's just, that's what this movie presented to me that day. You know, and that's not the first time I've, I've heard that. So either that's not weird or all writers are weird. It's one or the other. I don't know which one it is. We're all weird. But I'm, I'm really curious uh, with, you know, you write the way that you uh, are just kind of writing down the movie that you're seeing. Um, how does theme play into that? Is that something that um, you think about or something that comes out naturally? Uh, looking at some of your early episodes, some of the themes that JP and I saw were you need to trust other people to survive. And also there's no greater fear than the things that hide from the light. What does theme mean for you in your work or do you use it at all? Just things that will connect people and allow them to put themselves in the story. Uh, just that will make it um, realistic very human nature, just things that we deal with on a day-to-day, -day, but how can I take this theme of protecting family, needing other people, and applying that to an apocalyptic situation in a realistic way? Because if you don't believe the characters in the story, then I might have the most amazing story idea Ever, but if you aren't invested or feel that you could be one of the characters in the story, then it's kind of pointless. So just bringing those real life themes in there. Now, I'm curious with your characters. So uh, this first episode, uh, you have Kelsey, and it's clear that motivation uh, is ultimately to survive. Like we're, we're having to get on and off this plane. We're having to uh, hide from uh, these creatures in the dark in the bathroom, I believe. Um, and ultimately, there's this need uh, almost to like find a place to settle down and call home, which is funny with the dichotomy of them having to jump on a plane every night. Um, so I'm curious, how do you go about developing characters and like their wants and needs or any other aspects about them? So with Kelsey, she I kind of wanted her to be that typical, that 
that girl next door, but with a bit more of a drive and having her. So she's going to be a good contrast to somebody later on that's kind of giving up. So you see that person that is struggling and surviving and wanting to um, take care of her sister, you know, family's huge, having a safe place is huge and having that um, contrast with other people as well. Yeah. Um, And I I think it's really interesting um, the way you constructed this first episode with her character, because you're looking at kind of a choice that she made in the past and how that's affecting her in this episode. So if we're looking at it um, from the 3C perspective, we're looking at her past where she has this conflict about whether to stay in this little bathroom that, you know, she can brace her legs against the door so the creatures don't get in or whether she's going to take her chance with these unknown humans screaming down the street and she chooses to take her chances. And then the consequence is that she's stuck flying between airports. How do you think about scene construction in this episode format when you're making a serial? I really wanted to make sure that I constructed it in a way that wasn't confusing because some of her chapters, you're in the present time with her and then having that flashback. So just making sure that I'm being very aware of what tense that part of the story is being written in so that we're in the present tense. If we're there with her on the plane or we're in the, the past tense when we're having those those flashbacks. So just making sure that, you know, you're going through that with a fine tooth comb. Are you staying in the correct point of view? Are you staying in the tense that you want things to be conveyed in? Just really paying attention to those details. So I'm curious, uh, what makes a good creature horror story? One that scares you. (laughs) I really want (laughs) you to be... um, creeped out. It needs to be visceral. You've got to bring in all of the senses, um, make sure that the reader sees what the characters are seeing, feels what they're feeling, smells what they're smelling, um, making sure that you're engaging all of that to just fully immerse your reader into that world that you're presenting them with, because you don't want the reader to have any sense of distance, any sense of safety. If this is an apocalyptic book, you as a reader are in danger yourself. And that I think is a, is a big key when writing in that genre. Yeah, for sure. So I'm also curious, you personally have a lot of animals. What do you think is off limits when using animals in horror? Um, you're, I'm not sure that anything is off limits in horror. <laughs> That's totally true. <laughs> so I'm, I might be more tempted to keep an animal alive than a human sometimes, but um, still in the end, if sacrifices need to be made, then everybody's on, everybody's on the chopping block. Like there shouldn't be much limits there. Now there might be limits to how detailed you get about certain things, but um yeah, nothing's off limits in horror. You also have a background in natural health. Do you use any of that knowledge in your writing? Uh, yes. So one of my stories, Temple Town, um, the um, a lady's trying to get 
pregnant. It's the 1850s. She goes to the midwife who's also an herbalist. And so um, anytime that I am mentioning herbs, um, yeah, there's, there's quite a few health things that will sneak their way in. Um, things that I've learned from it, that'll be, you know, brought to a character's mind where they're like, oh, hey, I heard this once sometimes. And sometimes I'll make fun of it because, you know, people think of it as the voodoo, but it's, it's really fun. I've even personally been called a witch doctor and it's like, Hey, that's actually a compliment to me. I'll take that. Um, my nieces and nephews call me a witch. So it's like bringing in my knowledge of natural health fits perfectly in, um, you know, horror and paranormal because there are, you know, some people that think of it as fringe or voodoo and stuff. So yeah, it fits perfectly. I think. Yeah, I think it would have to be useful, you know, in a post-apoc setting when there's no uh, medicine or hospitals or also in horror for poisons. I don't know. <laughs> <Not that way. laughs> yeah, there was somebody in the book, The Stand, when I was reading that recently, um, they were having a appendicitis attack. And I was like, oh, I would. And, you know, of course, in The Stand, it's apocalyptic and stuff. And I was like, oh, I'd actually know how to help that person because, they're in the book, you know, going to do surgery on them out in the middle of the meadow. And it's like, oh, I'd actually be really helpful in an apocalyptic situation. Noted. You're on the team when there's a post-apocalyptic yep. situation. I'm going to come find you. <laughs> <laughs> so you have about six serials on Bella at the moment. What have you learned about the platform that you could share with other writers? You know, it's, I really love the Kindle Bella platform. I find that it's easy to use. The um, The biggest thing is just to be consistent. You need to make sure that you are publishing regularly. Find your favorite social media platform or two and be on there. Make yourself available because when someone becomes a fan of your work, they want to connect with the author. They want to have that personal relationship or just the ability to stalk them on social media. So. Um, just making sure that you're available for your readers, the consistency with publishing. Don't neglect your author notes. Um, it's really sad to find a story that you like and then the author has nothing to say to you in your notes. So even if you're like, I have nothing to say this time, you know, sometimes I put that in there. It's like, I've got no words. Let's move on to the next part. But sharing a bit about yourself. Um, I like to tell people why I use my two middle initials in my author notes, like make it personal, um, tell them where the story ideas came from. So just really utilize that because people are reading them. When I came out with Spider Sight in ebook and paperback, I actually was asked by a friend of mine, he's like, oh my gosh, did you include your author notes? Because they were brilliant. And I was like, oh shoot, I didn't, but I might need to think about that going forward because people are reading them. So it's, use it. Nice. Definitely. Uh, on that note, with the addition of polls, uh, what were some of the polls that you have been using? And then what is your plan moving forward and the addition of polls? Going forward, my plan is not to pull too much because um, I think 
readers want to give feedback, but I don't think that a poll every episode is necessary because it brings them out of the story and it makes them start thinking critically about it. Oh, which character really is my favorite? Do And especially if you're asking a question that's almost leading, do you think this person is evil? It's like, oh, am I supposed to think about them as evil? So um, just trying not to be too leading um, and just keeping them interesting, but not use them too frequently. So have you found any uh, thing that's been successful for you in terms of marketing or promoting your cereals? Right now, I, I have been consistent on... Facebook. It's my social media platform of choice. So I have found that just being consistent, engaging with people, creating relationships before you're like, oh, here, read my story. Um, you want to make sure that you are are on there to support, not just to promote. And I think that's the biggest thing so far that's been helpful. Um, I am finding some success, surprisingly, with Facebook ads, those have been bringing readers um, because every now and again, I'll pull it up and I was like, oh my goodness, somebody just binge read all 35 episodes of Spider Sight. And I can tell it was a brand new reader because they didn't have to use tokens until the last 15. So um, yeah, just tweaking that, paying attention to what other people are doing and not, you don't want to mimic anyone else being myself and putting myself out there while, um, you know, just taking the tidbits of what I see other people that are doing well. Excellent. I like that. It's like, uh, I love the the tidbit about supporting others. Uh, I try really hard to do that and I'm not very good at it, but I know that that's, uh, that's key. It's like a community building. Um, I'm curious though, what does your daily or weekly routine look like in terms of writing? So I get up and have, um, I read for one to two hours, other people's Kindle Vela first thing in the morning when my brain isn't quite awake yet. So I have my coffee and I read and then I will sit down on the weekends and be like, okay, having a goal of how many episodes, what stories need episodes right now, what are my top priorities and then during the week, my husband and I, we own a gym that has a natural health store in it. So as I sit and am staff for the natural health store, I'm getting in as many words as I can then. So I'm consistently writing four to five days a week. I've now, well, I was doing that for a couple of months. I'm now getting closer to five to six days a week of consistent writing and anywhere from you know, if I'm not feeling it that day, I might only do a thousand words, but it's just the point of sitting down and getting that consistency going. And I'm not, I'm not putting out the huge numbers like some people are on Saturday. I was really excited because I got to 5,000 words probably for the first time ever in my life. So is that's not going to happen every day, but if I can do that once a week or once every other week, then, you know, it'll start to get more consistent. Yep, 5,000 is a lot of words in my book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was four episodes that I got published that day. That's awesome. Nice. Um, so do you have any favorite craft books or resources that have been helpful for you with your writing? I used to read some craft books. I took a writing course um, way back, like 10 years ago. I actually didn't finish it 
Um, and then I took a course last spring that was helpful on horror writing. But otherwise, I find that I've learned the most just by reading other authors and evaluating as I go, what is it about this that I like? Is it their descriptions? Is it the storyline? Is it, you know, what nuance do I want to emulate? Um, one of those that I'm actually going back through, if you want to, you could call it a craft book. It's, um, it's the ruins. I forget who that's by Scott Smith. Uh, it was made into that B movie, but the first 50 pages of that, nothing happens, but I was sucked in from the first paragraph. And so I'm like 45 pages in telling my husband, nothing has happened. They're just, at, they're hanging out at a resort. They're going for a truck ride. Like nothing's going on, but I am vested and interested. And so when you find a book like that, just dissecting it on your own. What is it about this? What is, you know, is it the voice of it? You know, what is it that sucks you in? So I'm actually rereading that just to like dissect it. Cause I think I read it in, you know, two days and I, I remember I loved it. Definitely. Yeah. There's something special about, uh, being able to analyze uh, other people's works uh, critically, not just from a reader's perspective, but actually putting on your author hat while you do it. Um, it's a very different experience and I'm right there with you. It's, it's very important in my book as well. Yep. So uh, as a final question, what would you say to someone looking to start a serial? I would tell you just to jump in and do it. We're all, take that, take that story that you were ashamed of 10 years ago and give it a rewrite and just put it on there because there is an audience for everyone. And as long as you're make sure it's polished, like that's one of the biggest things is, is polish your work. Don't just throw up a rough draft of something that's full of errors. Think about what is the experience that I want my readers to have and Read some Vela's yourself because I learned very early on the chapter length that I liked, the the reading style that I liked from the Vela's. Um, it is much different than a novel. So be acquainted with the proper, you know, not proper, but like a good structure of a Vela. What sucks you in about a Vela? And then just, just go for it. You've got nothing to lose. You know, you never... You, you got to jump off before you learn how to fly. Good advice. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Our thanks today to Tirza M.M. Hawkins for letting us break down their episode. And, and that's, that's a wrap. wrap. Nice. Okay, here's a random story. So The Exorcist scared me as a book. Like I thought that it was a creepy book. I don't know if you've ever read it, but um so this was before I was married that I had read it. And like so it had me on edge. So like I went into my bathroom and there was like a towel hanging on the hook and it like scared me and I like jumped at it and I was like, wow. 
Um, but not long before that, I had just squished a spider with my bare hand. <laughs> so <laughs> my husband was like, wait a minute. Did you say squish a spider with your bare hand? And I'm like, yep. He's like, but the book you're reading scares you. I'm like, yep. He's like, you're bananas. Like, I don't know what else to say about <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, that's TMI.